Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today, we've got Netflix 113th film. It's the 2018 Norwegian crime drama, 22 July, directed by Paul Greengrass. It stars Anders Danielson Lee and John Oygarden. I am Jesse, and I'm here with MJ. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Good. I'm excited. <laughs> you did you did well. You did well with the names. I know they're tough, and I think we'll. I'm I'm proud of you. It was hard, but you did well. Well, yeah, <laughs> only two cast members because I don't want to push it out too much. And um, <laughs> that's not that was the choice as well. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. push the lock. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we we are here ready to have a chat and we start our show with our fast flicks where we do our quick little summary of um, the film and what we think about it. So MJ, hit us off with your fast flicks. 22 July uh, is about the events and aftermath of a brutal shooting in Norway based on a devastating true story. Yep, perfect. It's along the same lines. I've just said the retelling of a horrible terrorist attack in Norway through the eyes of a survivor and the accused. Mm. All right, so this one, yeah, obviously based on um, on real life and um, there's a, a lot of um, true things we can draw on from this one. So let's uh, have a, th- a chat to start off with about how this was put together and how Netflix, I guess, got this film. Yeah, it's always tricky talking about a film that's based on a true story because when, you, when you're trying to critique it in any kind of way and think of things that you don't like and why they did certain things, the argument's always, well, that's what happened. So it's kind of it's kind of going to be an interesting conversation that we just got to keep that in the back of our mind. Um, and you know what? This being a true story, there's just going to be a ton of facts and information coming through here. So if you, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't even really know much about the story and you don't want it to be spoiled for you, uh, this is our spoiler alert. We are going to spoil the film and therefore spoil the story for you. It feels weird again saying spoil the yeah. story when it's it's kind of not meant to be like that. But um, if you are a big movie lover and you haven't seen this movie and you don't want it spoiled, uh, probably turn off now and and come back later and and have a listen to our to our chat because I'm I'm interested to talk to Jesse about this one. But um, so how this film came about, obviously, um, we know it is based on true events from back from 2011, but um august 21 2017 uh that's when it got announced that paul greengrass was working on a new netflix movie that was that was focused on these attacks uh and and more so the aftermath of the attacks and at that time it it actually caused a fair bit of controversy in norway um just because it became known that the film was was potentially going to give a more of a voice to uh, the main terrorist in this story, uh, Anders Battering Breivik. Um, and they had a campaign generating over 20,000 signatures against the film um, before they actually started making the film. So obviously uh, Paul Greengrass and his crew had to tread pretty carefully. Obviously the, the events as well of this are quite devastating, quite real, quite close to home for a lot of people. So there was a lot of careful treading for, for all of this. Um, and one of the main things that he did try to get around it was he, he used Norwegian actors and he used the whole Norwegian crew for the film. Um, he, he wanted it to be identified as a Norwegian film, which it is. Um, but he also <laughs> revealed the fact that he didn't use Norwegian language, A, because he didn't speak Norwegian. It made life a little bit easier for him as a director, but also because... Um, he sees this as a, as a universal story, uh, not necessarily a story per se that everyone has been through, but a story that everyone should know and probably be aware of that, that, that 
let's just have our wits about us to make sure this sort of stuff doesn't happen again. So, um, so they, they obviously, they made this film. Um, it had its premiere in uh, world premiere at the 75th Venice International Film Festival. And that was the 5th of September in 2018. Uh, and then it went on to screen at the Toronto International Film Festival. And that was the 10th of September in 2018. It also had a special presentation in Scandinavian theatres, uh, October 4, before the film was released on the 10th of October, 2018, uh, on Netflix and also some select theatres. Um, and it was actually originally scheduled to be released on the 2nd of November under the title Norway, obviously. That got changed to 22 July. So... Um, the Netflix side of things, which I always like to get into. So they, um, they want to, they want to be able to do, this is obviously not your, your standard, um, popcorn movie and Netflix basically want to be able to do what an art house release, um, could do for a normal art house release by making this film. So they wanted to put it into relevant film festivals, but then they also get to link it to their platform with, you know, hundreds, hundreds of millions of subscribers, most of them young people who probably wouldn't have gone to an art house theater to see this film. So it kind of works both ways for the industry where you get your film festivals. So you get all the critiques, uh, sorry, the critics and their eyeballs on it. So it does have that art house feel, but then all of a sudden you're getting it on this mass produced subscription platform where people can watch it. So um, we, we've seen, we're going to see it more. We're, this is a 2018 film. We see it more coming with Netflix going um, from this point onwards and, it's, it's a nice thing for art house movies to be able to live uh, and have more of a life than they would normally from a theatrical release, but also still get that uh, recognition from film festivals and the like. So that's kind of a little bit of a background on, on how the film came to be so far. Um, and I'm sure there's things that you would like to add to what I've said. Yeah. Just um, not, a, not an awful lot. You've covered it pretty well. Um, I think that just leading on from where you mentioned with Netflix and, and how they put it together and, um, director greengrass he's you know um he, he made a bit of a, a commentary on why um he decided to use netflix as a distributor because he wanted this to reach a young audience and um it, he had this question and answer while he was promoting the film and and he said that you know it's their generation um who'll have to repel tomorrow the advances of the extreme right today and so when we were considering the distribution partners the netflix model of theatrical distribution and streaming um, offer the best chance of reaching that broad young audience with material that's as challenging as this as well. So well, that was a nice little quote from him about um, just following on from what you mentioned with the reach of, of being on Netflix, um, which is nice, mm -hmm. nice to hear. And there is um, a little of a, a little bit of a featurette on YouTube, almost like a special feature that we don't often quite get to see with yeah. a lot of Netflix films where um, talks uh, with a few of the cast and with the director. So I'll pop the link for that into the, the show notes if anyone's keen on checking it out. Um, so that's a nice little thing to see. And you mentioned that it's based on, um, well, like the original title in, um, in Norway was one of us, which is the book that it's based on by, um, Asne Sørstad. So it is based on a, a recount of the events, um, that are, that are put into a book too. Um, and you mentioned too, it, it, it played in a couple of cinemas. So it did take 166,500, um, at the box office, which is, you know, obviously not a lot of money, but nice to see that there were people that went out of their way to, to see it on the screen as well budget of 20 million dollars not too bad did you have any comparisons i did and you know what 20 million dollars is not a terrible budget to be honest mm. for netflix it's um it's obviously not in the realms of the irishman but um mm. 
20 million dollars is more than we normally see even though we often don't see what budgets uh, they do have because they don't have to disclose it but some comparisons for what you can get for a 20 million dollar film in recent years is us um obviously big bang for your buck money that one um but even m- movies like la la land wonder bad mums glass with m night Shyamalan, that that surprised yeah, big, me that was only cast, 20 million. Yeah. yeah um the conjuring Obviously, that started an enormous universe of, of horror films and, and Good Boys, uh, the, the teen comedy from last year. So $20 million is, uh, yeah, you, you can be pretty successful with that with that kind of budget. Good. Um, well, so this was filmed across Iceland and Norway, and then it had a couple of nominations and awards, which has been nice to see recently with some of the, the films we've looked at. Um, had two wins and three other nominations. So the big one, I guess, was at the, the Venice um, Film Festival, like you mentioned, um, Paul Greengrass um, was also nominated for the Golden Lion for the best film for this as well, which is nice. Um, and got the the Cygnus Award for honourable mention. Um, yeah, for for Paul Greengrass. So a couple of little nice little noms there for this film, I guess as well. Yeah, that's cool. The the other thing that I read, this is a weird fact. So in the film, there's an actor, and she is listed as defence lawyer number one. So she's she's basically in. Um, what was his name? Uh, uh, Lipstead. What's his name? Gare, Gare Lipstead. So he's got this group yep. of counsel. So she plays defence lawyer number one. Her name was, the actor's name was Vivian Hine. And she actually plays her sister <laughs> in the film. So her sister was actually um, yeah. Lipstead's assistant through this whole trial. And she, and she played her in the film. That's awesome. Even though it was a yeah. tiny role, I just think that's really cool. That's a nice little connection. No, that's good. I, I, I had a, a percentage match for this one. I've got another one. Um, on the, 66, 66%. So um, okay. not, not quite in the, the high sort of range, but getting very close to, I can't think of uh, many match Netflix matches that are lower than that, to be honest. Um, 66 Yeah. I, um, I also had one and mine was at 80%, but... Uh, yeah, I, I can understand why. I can understand why this, um, why Netflix thought this would be an eighty percent match for me. But I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a positive guy on Netflix. I don't, you know, what when I see a bad film, I forget to put the thumbs down. I'll be perfectly honest, I forget to. But when I watch a good film, I'm like, ah, oh, it was great, bang, thumbs up. So maybe I've got to be a bit more uh, consistent. Good. Okay. Well, consensus time. What what have the the critics and the audiences said to this one? It's not bad. Like. Uh, it's above par. Um, it's sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and that's off nearly 27,000 ratings. That's, that's a really good score, IMDb being the, the main mass platform that we can look at for, for for not critical consensus, more like fan consensus, but the 6.8 out of 10, very good score. Um, a little bit lower on Letterboxd with a 3.1 out of 5, and that's off 13,500 ratings. Um, so still pretty good. You're looking at something over a three, it's it's watchable. It's not something that you want to steer away from, but you're certainly not expecting a masterpiece. And that's kind of where it sits uh, from what I can gather. Yeah, Google users really like this, 89%, so up fairly high. And then uh, yep. our, our Rotten Tomatoes, um, it was certified fresh, another certified fresh two weeks oh, in good. a row where it's it's got enough uh, 125 critic reviews and it sits on 81%, which is a nice um, nice robust sort of score. The audience had it fairly similar at 70%, but that was only on a bit over 800 reviews. So, okay, yeah, some fairly uh, positive sorts of thoughts heading into this one. And I guess that's where we give our early thoughts um, on what we, what you're thinking. So MJ, what are your early thoughts for this? 
Yeah, so um, I thought it was pretty good. It was it was pretty tastefully covered. It, it still it still captured the enormity of this situation and and like the devastation of these events. I think it probably got a little bit overindulgent in the character stories, and and my interest certainly wavered throughout that part of the story. Um, it was done no favors by having a two hour and 23 minute runtime. And now I, I'm not sure whether this was, cause I have read somewhere that this was like a three part story. Now I'm not sure whether it was meant to be viewed that way, or it was supposed to be viewed as a, as a movie. Um, it just felt like we went into these characters that not that they weren't interesting, but there was, we, we went into them too much that there wasn't enough there to, to satisfy that runtime is kind of how I felt about it. But I also need to say, I, I have no, I didn't, wasn't across these events. I don't know how I missed it or whether I, not that I missed it. It, it just didn't stick with me. So um, this was all brand new information for me from, from the get go. And, um, and that's, that's obviously a, a point worth making. Cause I know you, you mentioned last week that this is something that you were looking forward to because you do remember the, uh, the, the events. Yeah. It's probably a really good lead in to, to what I was going to say. Cause yeah, at the end of last week, I did mention that I vividly remember um, this event um and yeah like the i remember when it was on the news i remember the the footage that was coming through as it was happening those types of things and so a lot of the details uh weren't new for me so it was it's sort of very run-of-the-mill for me it was very much it's good for people to learn about the event and see the event but it didn't really give me much more than that and like you mentioned it, it focuses on the, the stories of these two characters, I guess, whereas I'm not sure whether I'm not, sorry, more, there's more than two characters, obviously, but the, the main yeah. focus is on these two characters. Mainly and, on two. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether it could have, it could have benefited from, like you mentioned, like I mentioned at the end of last week too, that length, that time, like a bit of a, an edit, a bit of a cut down. You don't have to have a, such a big character piece when it's based on, because there's so many other stories that you could tell about this event as well. So an overall sort of, um, retelling of these events possibly wouldn't have been such a bad thing, but yeah, you, you do see it from these perspectives that, um, didn't really grip me as much as I was hoping, I guess. I, I, I'm not surprised that you said that because from my perspective, the, the more engaging part of the film was the first half an hour, which was the actual events because it just kept blowing me away like that this was actually happening. And if you already knew that you're going into that completely differently because you're probably holding your breath a little bit because you know what you're about to see and it's not going to be nice to see with, for me, I was like, Oh crap, he's, he's doing this. Oh crap. He's doing this. Oh, like it just kept going. And um, so I, I can, yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you said that um, it would have been a lot harder to watch. I reckon. Yeah, well, I, get, I reckon this is probably where we will spend a little bit of time talking about some of the characters from this one. And obviously, um, it wasn't our choice, the, the characters from this real event that they've they've focused on. So, and we don't want to, we're not criticizing the actual people from these stories. We're just talking about, I guess, the performances and how their the characters are portrayed on screen more than anything. So, um, yeah, who how like it fits within this film. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How'd you start with us? Yeah, I, I think. I think it's Vil- Villar is probably the one. Am I saying that correctly? Is it Viljar or Villar? Villar sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah um, look, and, and again, it's a really good lead in that you had because I, I found his story just a little bit tiresome and, and somewhat dissatisfying in that sense. That, not that it was bad because um, when, when you go through what he went through emotionally and physically, 
I expected as an audience member to have this greater feeling of payoff when he kind of made it through the other side. Um, I never really got that. And I, I kind of got over the story by, you know, 75% of the way through, which sounds harsh, but it's just, I, I was just done with seeing him recover and, uh, and try and move through this. But as a, as a character, like he was, he was a smart, happy-go-lucky, popular guy. And they set that up really well. Um, and he was a completely different person afterwards. And I think that is an important message to show you know, those who survived and, you know, survived being a really gray term in this film, they're never the same because it's not just because of the trauma that they experienced, but there are, there are literal physical ailments they are stuck with for the rest of their life. And I, I think that part of it, they actually captured quite well. I think they just did it a little bit too much and I, I, I got it. I, I had enough of seeing it. I didn't need to keep seeing it. Yeah. The, I guess the, the ability for me to empathize with him, like even though he'd gone through such horrible things and, and the, the trauma, and like you mentioned, this, this about this recovery, even though those things had happened, I found it really hard to, I'm sure as a person, I can, but as the character, I was like, they were just using him as like almost the complete opposite of the terrorist. And yeah. they, they set that up straight away with that camp where he's the one that gets picked out of the crowd to stand up and, and promote what he believes in and, you know, welcoming everyone and regardless of nationalities, working together towards integration. And then you're seeing the, the complete opposite in this terrorist Anders. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I needed that complete opposite like to show you like i don't know i just needed him as a human i needed to, to see his humanity True. and see him recover as a person and not necessarily have to worry about him believing the complete opposite to the terrorist because i don't think there's anyone on the world that in the world and they made mention of this that supports the terrorist or think that what he's doing yeah. right so we don't have to see that people believe other things we we get that we understand that as an audience so i think that frustrated me Good a little point. bit um and also the 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 use of the relationships he has with people and using them to help recover himself and almost help them recover too, especially with his brother, um, Toy, like seeing his brother deal with that situation. And, and also with the the girl in the same situation too, um, was her name Lara? That Lara. sort of, yeah. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was a bit, a bit choppy and changey for me. I would, I would just like to have seen, that recovery like there's enough in him in the hospital in the rehab in the operation in the operating room all those things to say that he's gone through so much i don't know that they oh, yeah. needed to push it out as long as they did um but i, I completely understand yep. he's probably you know still got these issues today in real life and stuff it's just the way it was shown on screen yep no i agree okay. with that at the end of the day you're making yeah. a film right so you need you, you yeah. need to engage an audience and I, I get that there's a true story element and i get that there's a story that needs to be told but we, we still got to Yep. enjoy it to some extent enjoys the wrong word yep. yeah yeah <laughs> who are you next um anders um yes. anders Bering bravik uh huge wikipedia page on the uh on the real person to be honest like this guy is oh goodness gracious me but i i probably found his story slightly more engaging um but it's probably more to do with figuring out how the hell he justifies this act and again I was left feeling pretty dissatisfied in this sense as well. I, I don't know if I ever really got the full behind the curtain look at what it takes to do something like this. You know, the, the idea of having kids stranded on an island and you're out there hunting them for sport is an unimaginable evil, unimaginable. And the fact that he still appeared incredibly sane and calculated probably left me wanting more because a they still didn't justify his mindset to me and and b his calculatedness kind of came unstuck like it, it turns out he never really was in on a bigger picture and 
So when both of those points are missing, I think it leaves this decent sized character hole. So whilst I was intrigued by him, I, I didn't get the answers that I wanted. Um, you got, this is one of the most notorious mass murderers in the history of the world. And you're making a movie of basically following his character. And I got, I got no idea anything about him and it's a missed opportunity for me. Yeah, I completely agree because you, you pretty much said this anyway, the, the idea that they constantly made it out that he was part of a bigger thing. He's part of this bigger group and all this sort of like, you know, um, the, the Knights Templar or whatever they were calling it. Mm. And yeah. um, they never really shut that idea down. They just let him keep coming up with these ideas and saying, Oh no, you know, there's going to be another attack. Oh, this is the third and final stage. This is what's going to happen. But there was never any situation where it was disjustified or, or showing that it's complete rubbish. There's nothing else that's going to happen. Um, so that really, yeah, made it hard to, um, to connect or you like, not that you want to connect with him as a character, but to, to sort of see where this story is going with him. Because like I mentioned before, he's that complete opposite of, you know, hating multiculturalism to what we had with um, Vilja. So mm. the, the only thing that I could really try and draw on was this relationship he had with his lawyer, um, which mm. I thought was probably one of the most sort of interesting little um, relationships in the film where, you know, the, he's trying to say that this is going to be the best case of your life. This is going to be the best thing you do in your life. And you see nothing but hate from that lawyer the whole way, just mm-hmm. those facial expressions, uh, you know, couldn't make it any clearer that he doesn't want to work with him. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought that that was, that was an interesting thing because it probably it'll lead into some questions later on that I've got about the the Norwegian legal system, I guess. And, and, and how I've got works. similar questions. <laughs> Cause, cause I, have, I got no idea. Goodness. All right. Who, who have we got? Who have you got next to talk about? Look, I, I do have the lawyer, um, gear Lipstart. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, probably similar. I, I always felt like there was this, there was a little bit of mystery around this character or th- there was going to be more that came from it. Um, I, I, I guess though, in, in hindsight, his story is just one more of that collateral damage that got dragged through this storm. Um, Cause in hindsight, I, I really, I really felt for him and, and I think he should be massively commended for his effort. Um, and I really liked that final scene where he completely shuts him out um, in his normal quiet, matter-of-fact way and like i I think we just need to talk about this right now why can't he knock back that job i I, is is that not a thing like i've chosen you as my lawyer therefore you're my lawyer like that's that's insane that's literally you've literally covered everything i've got here i've gone so it's his duty to take the case so the lawyers not get a choice in norway and then the constant phone calls to the house and telling his kid that they have to go to another school is really tough which is what you mentioned and then then at the end, I really liked where he tells Anders that there's not one person who defends his actions after he'd met with the mum and the extremist. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So I don't understand how that legal system works. That uh, are they all paid by the state? All lawyers are paid. That's by the what state. I mean. Who's paying yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or and, and and let's let's think of it as um, a legal system that we're more familiar with. If he chooses to do that job, is it because he's got this sincere belief that? everyone has right has a right to a lawyer and maybe this guy isn't going to get a fair trial if I don't take it on, which again, doesn't change the way you think about him because, you know, he, he, he handled the whole thing with wonderful integrity, uh, mm. even though he was completely against the actions in a like almost 180 degrees opposite uh, mindset to, to Anders. 
he still he, he, there's no way he threw the case or did the wrong thing or all this kind of, he still did everything by the book which again is probably almost more commendable but um yeah it, it was a big they, they should have explained that because it, it didn't add up yeah. to me yep i agree completely agree um i had i have lara down as well just to briefly touch on her i just thought mm. that um it frustrated this is another part that frustrated me that um she was on the island her sister didn't make it so she's obviously there for this political rally almost or political camp or whatever they call it and then they also make it clear that she's a refugee to the country so she's just this another she's almost this another character that's there to stand against what anders is playing and give vilja someone to pump him up in the same way when like i mentioned before i don't know that we necessarily needed to see him being pushed along by other people he we could have seen him be a strong character with that resilience himself to do it rather than needing her to push him i guess yeah i mean but speaking of resilience god she was so damn resilient she was commendable throughout if, if this is mm. how someone actually handled that situation then i take my hat off to you mm. um yeah then then the pm i just thought was probably the prime minister to talk about briefly that they, they play they, I thought they it was an interesting way of showing this that they weren't very critical of the way that um, the situation was dealt with prior I guess and obviously mm. they, they say that they have this scene at the end where the people say you know we need you to lead us through this sort of thing so I, I thought that was probably a good way of showing a, a political person in charge where that wasn't necessarily critical of the way that they acted during a thing so I mean if you see docos or, or dramatizations of things about 9-11 there's often uh, critical aspects of of leaders at the time or things like that so i think they did a good job of keeping this sort of on par and not sort of bringing in different sides of how people believed that it was dealt with yeah also paul greengrass spoke to the prime minister prior to even um speaking to the families whether they were actually going to make this film and it was almost like i'm going to speak to him first if he says no, then I'm not even going to bother approaching the families to see if they're happy for the story to be told. Um, and the prime minister had a pretty similar sentiment to most. It was just like, I think this is a story that does need to be told uh, and you've got my full blessing. And then obviously went to the families and there was trepidation going to that. And they were almost, and he made an interesting point saying that the families are actually less likely than the general public to want to get this story made because they, they live with this every single day. Whereas the general public's like, we don't need to bring this brought up again. Whereas the family's like, I'm, I'm dealing with this every single day and any kind of ability to have closure or at least have this conversation in, in the right public sphere is, is a good one. So they're all quite supportive of it as well. So I found that an interesting uh, tidbit. Probably leads into a little bit of a, a brief chat about Paul Greengrass. He's got a, a good um, CV. Uh, oh, yeah. A couple of Bourne films, Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. Um, it's nice to have um, a big name director, I guess, do a Netflix film. Yeah, and and probably for the the people that I just spoke about, then it's nice to have that credibility behind a film like this, knowing that it's going to be handled with care. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, well, I think it's almost time to talk about some scenes. So we start off with uh, ones that we enjoyed or thought were good. So what have you you got for this one? Yeah, well, like for me, <laughs> it was. I obviously didn't know what this film was about. And there was a period in the early part where I, I don't write many notes, but I wrote down a note that just said, holy shit, he is killing for sport. Um, and that I, I have to put that down as a good scene. Cause it was, I, I, I don't recall being so engaged in, in watching, watching a movie than watching him on that Island, just shooting kids and on an Island where they're completely helpless. Like it was, 
insanity. Like it, this was Hunger Games type stuff. Like it was oh, unbelievable. Um, and then that led into the next thing that really stuck with me was that slow scan through all the bodies, you know, in the fields inside that little hut. And it was heart wrenching, but I, I, I do think it was, it was tastefully covered in, in a sense that it kind of, this is, this is the story that had to be shown. And, um, you know, when you hear that 77 lives were lost, it's just mind blowing to me. Like, um, yeah. So that was really powerful. That, that part of the film, um, and then I get into probably a few more dialogue heavy scenes that, that sort of stuck out for me that highlighted the way people would handle this kind of PTSD or just that trauma in general. But um, the conversation between uh, Villar and, and Lara at the hospital where they talk about how he talked about how I, I can't see the future. Um, I think this was really well captured, you know, where they sort of speak about the fact they survived and what does survival even mean and i don't even know what survival means and i i think not only is that a good uh depiction of of how these people are probably feeling but i think as an audience member i was kind of feeling like that as well that it's all well and good that you guys are alive but i i don't know where you go from here um and i was kind of stuck with them and i i, I thought that came across really nicely on screen um and then probably the next the next thing that i did like was when that right wing guy that um, that they found to testify caught basically shot down Anders' perspective of himself and that entire situation, and and this to me was more satisfying than seeing any of the survivors talk or lay into Anders or anything like that because this was one guy that Anders thought was sort of on his side and yeah I'm doing this for for you and all of us and he was just like this guy's a dickhead like I'm. I don't condone anything that he's done. So that was pretty satisfying in in a film where I was expecting more satisfaction. That's probably as satisfied as I got. Um, and the other things that I will mention that I, I appreciated Lara's testimony talking about the guilt that she feels. Um, and again, I like the fact that her testimony had nothing to do with Anders in general. It was just literally talking about how she's felt from the situation. And I did like Villar's confession as well and the powerful dialogue of i survived and i choose to live a little bit cliche and probably didn't get the feels as much as it could have but yeah. I, I respected it it was there nice um yeah i've it was really hard for me to pick specific scenes for this one so uh, i think yeah the i've just got a couple of little or there's one like you've already mentioned that the the scene from um anders leaving um oslo in the truck to head out towards that island that moment he gets on that boat i knew what was going to come but the tension i still felt was extreme and from that moment that he steps off and the the guy asks him for his id uh like that just that like that was still like it was just such such um perfect timing and and they did such a good job of, of showing that moment and and yes like you mentioned it was tastefully done and it was um it was engaging like you just mm. were you were feeling the the horror and the the fear of these kids and especially when they're hanging off the sides of those cliffs and you know yeah. is he you know is his head gonna actually pop over it's one of those moments you know they, they do it in film so many times <laughs> but it was, it was just done so well and um yeah i mean that's that to me is the the standout of this film i think the that first part was massively engaging and um yeah it sort of dropped off a little bit there um from me when it sort of became a bit more um not courtroomy, but more just focusing on. I, I don't even know if it's because they put too much focus on um, on Anders because I, I you don't really want to give him that much time. But I guess they wanted to show you what he's thinking behind some of this stuff was. So yeah, anyway. yeah, but they still didn't really show you what he was thinking. Nah, That's they what didn't. Yeah. Me off. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. All right. What are some things that didn't stand out or we don't want to forget? Yeah. Not, and this is probably not a scenes per se, but this is probably the way things transpired. And you know, I was probably about an hour into this film and I, and I really started to wonder where it was going. Um, was it going to be a film about this court case? And if so, like, I already know that they've got the guy. Like, that, there was not that idea of we've got to catch this criminal before he strikes again. He, he's sitting there in a, in a jail cell. And so that wasn't appealing to me. And then the next thing is, is this all about, you know, Vilya's recovery? And, and that, that wasn't pulling me in either. So I'm sitting here knowing I've got 90 minutes to go and I don't know where this film's going because the two options feel like they're basically closed doors already. And that's kind of how it was. And, and that goes to the next thing that I, I just it didn't really get me was, I felt really dissatisfied watching Villar's recovery. Like this film got to a point where it was all kind of leading up to Villar meeting Anders in court. And I just don't know how much I cared about that at the time. So when it happened, I didn't really care about it, but going into it, I wasn't like, Oh, I just can't wait till he gets into court. It just didn't bother me. Um, and, and there was just something really unsatisfying about that being kind of the goal that we were going to get to. And, so uh, you, you're sort of just plowing through this film and it was, yeah, it was a bit hard to swallow. Yeah. I, I think I, I, yeah, I probably mentioned that briefly before when we're talking about, yeah, the, the recovery that he had to face. So one of the things that really, the, there's a scene where he steals that sort of snowmobile and drives off in the snow and the parents yeah. are chasing. I think I, mean, I, I already understood the pain he was feeling. I already understood the recovery he needed to make in a film that's, two and a half hours long nearly like there's just bits and pieces of this that it gets a little bit repetitive we see we see so much of um you know what he's doing already that um we don't necessarily need to see extra extra scenes of him going through tough things even though i know that in real life this is probably something that happened so um that's um okay all right good yeah, so I, yeah i yeah all right good so um I guess this is where we talk about some themes and some ideas um, in the film. What have you you got for us, MJ? I might just pause for a second and um, I might I might kick it off um, to go with us to start off with. We're having a few difficulties uh, with some of our audio at the moment, but we'll keep pushing on and we'll get through there. So the themes and ideas that this one sort of showed um, for me was Norway, I guess, as a, as a country. There's, there's this obviously a little bit of tension going on um, in Norway and I guess you sort of get this commentary from Anders's mum, you know, when, when she's interviewed by Gia and she sort of says that, mm. um, you know, it's not like what it used to be. And I think that there's this idea of nationalism throughout this film as well, that they are, they're pumping up this idea that the country are fighting this together, the country are in it together. And I just think that that was a nice little um, way of putting that through the film as well. And obviously on the opposite side of things too, this, this idea of extreme political activism or extremism that, um, obviously runs throughout society in various ways in multiple countries. And, and I guess they, they, they didn't really give us a, a good explanation of what was going on apart from Anders, but um, there's obviously other sectors in that society that do exist that mm. he thought were there to support him. Um, last little bit too is yeah. this idea. Last little bit is survival and what's it mean to survive? Um, you know, if the pain's constant, there's physical pain, there's mental pain. How, how do you survive if there's something that's, you know, these bullet fragments are, are stuck in his head for almost the rest of his life. So how, how's he going to be able to, to deal with this? Um, and, and they do a good way in, you know, saying this is about life too. You, you choose to live, you choose to, to go on and, um, and continue with life. So 
Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure if that was going to come back, the whole brain fragment thing. Um, yeah, sorry about my audio. My my headphones are dying and I, the cord's not working. So if it drops out, I might have to go to the speaker of the computer and we'll deal with that when we get to it. But um, the only other thing I sort of wanted to add from a themist perspective was that the whole PTSD side of things and, and how wise, widespread that impact actually is, how it covers a vast amount of people who are certainly not directly connected with the incident at all. And you're obviously looking at Villiard's parents and, and the way that they sort of need to have different perspectives on it. Um, and yeah, I, I think that kind of stands out for me that this, just because there was a couple of hundred people on this island doesn't mean that a couple of hundred people are the ones that are, you know, direct, directly impacted by it. So, um, and I think that this idea of evil and, and it's, you know, the most insidious type of evil that we've encountered probably in any film that we've done on this podcast um, mm. and, and exploring that. I, I don't think they explored that perfectly, but it, it's impossible not to have that feeling of evil every time Anders is on screen or even spoken about really. Yeah. Good points. All right. Well, what did you take away from this one in the end? Yeah. Uh, not knowing this story. I mean, eight dead in Oslo and 69 in Utoya was just, you know, holy crap. Like that's, that's just next level. Right. Um, but from a film perspective, you know, it felt like two very different movies. Um, the first half an hour was heart racing and heart wrenching, but it had that whole, I can't look away type feel. And, and, the, and the rest of it, you know, the pace was just completely taken out of it. And we'd already caught our killer. We were focusing on survivors and the crux of the movie became an exploration on dealing with this trauma in their lives. And um, I, I found that a little bit harder to swallow, but, it had a little bit of a Patriots Day feel to it. The, the Mark Wahlberg movie about the um, Boston Marathon. Was it Boston Marathon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bombing. And that the start of it had a really similar feel, but both movies do take off in very different directions after the incident because in Patriots Day, they're obviously trying to find the killer. There's, there's a real threat that the killer is going to strike again. Um, but this one went down a very different route. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, to me, the, the runtime is probably a little bit excessive. Um if you don't know the story and I'm sure like it's interesting, it's an interesting watch. And if you don't, um, I guess want to feel too emotional, like this is the sort of film to me that you need to have your heartstrings pulled a bit. And yeah, usually some films, there are films like this that I, I, I get on board because I feel, you know, emotive about what's going on. Whereas this one, I, I didn't. And that's a little bit sad yeah. that I, I should be feeling pain. I should be feeling sorry. I should be wanting them to get justice against this guy. And it just sort of just ran along like, and that was it. Um, so yeah, that's yep. yeah. Um, that's one, wonderfully on? summed up. Yeah. Did you jump onto IMDb to check anyone out for this? No, yeah. I didn't. No, did you? I I went on Google Maps. <laughs> I thought. Oh I thought yes, I love what you do. <laughs> I, I went on. I was a bit confused by the ability of um, Vilja's parents to get from the city to the island to. They were just like hopping from hospital to the the shelter to all these places, and just seemed like they were doing this all so quickly. Um, so yeah, I just looked up um, how far the drive from Oslo to the island was, and it was about forty minutes. So realistically, oh, okay. it, it makes sense if you know that. But just uh, in the fragment of the the filmmaking experience, it was just a little bit jumpy. I was like, oh, they they're getting around a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good question time. Have you got any questions you want to ask? I oh, look apart from the obvious that we've already spoken about with uh, the law uh, legal system in in Norway. Um, the other question for me: the trial was televised. Is that? Was that? Did that happen? Like they were, he he was watching it on TV. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, wasn't he? Because that was like yeah, him keeping up with what was going on. Mm, I felt mm. that feels like another strange part of their legal system. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't even think about that. Um, I've got a quote from Paul Greengrass about when he was making the film turn into a question. So he had um, this idea not to sensationalize the attacks. Um, he wanted to attempt to do something serious. And to do this, we have to confront this so that people understand what happened and what's happening now. Do you think that he accomplished this goal? Did, did he do a good job of making sure that um, people understand what's happening and rather than trying to glamorize what happened, I guess? I certainly think he did a good job of not over glamorizing. Um, whether the idea of making people alert to what's happening, I don't know if that was as clear. Um, yeah. Guess what? It, it highlights what people might be capable of. Uh, um, but politically, I don't know if that was, maybe I just didn't take that out of it. Yeah, same. I reckon. I think that's a good answer. Um, last one was the relationships that um, Vilja had with Lara and his brother. Did they do a good enough job of showing how each of them affected his recovery? Or do you think that like they could have just wiped that whole process out? Um, to be honest, I actually liked his brother, Toye. Toye. Yeah. I liked that he had his own little mini story. And he, he, he went through absolute hell. And no one kind of bothered to check how he was because physically he was fine. Um, And, you know, we don't really know what he wants until the end when he sort of gives him a hug and says, like, thank you for for doing this. Um, Because they sort of needed some resolution as to what the hell was going on with him mentally. Um, And I I, I, I kind of thought of him as his own little character with his own little story as opposed to being part of Vilya's story, which I appreciated. Um, I actually didn't have much of an issue with either of these relationships. I don't think they were as important to Villiers' recovery as maybe mm. they could have been. I think it was kind of a lot of his was internalised and in how he dealt with it. And Lara maybe was more just inspiration for the way that she was handling it. Yeah. I was just thinking as an, from an editing point of view, if you needed to cut a bit of time out, um, yeah, you can get it under two hours quite easily. Yeah. All right. Time to wrap this up. So we give a rating out of five for our films and then give it a flicks for an average. So what, what are your final um, summary for this one, MJ? I think, I think this movie is powerful and I can't imagine what the people involved in this event went through or even the country of Norway in general. Um, that's how big this event was and how big this film, what, what this film tried to cover. So I think it succeeds in grabbing my attention and to be honest, chilling me to my core with its depiction of this event but it really misses the mark in keeping me engaged throughout with the subsequent character stories. Um, it's still three stars for me. Good. Nice. Well, yeah, uh, I think like I mentioned, started off extremely well. Uh, the tension, the fear I felt was really good at the start, but then it sort of drifted off a little bit with this expanded runtime and focus on some characters that just didn't really sit right with me um and i get it's extremely tricky when they're based on real people um and i think it's still worth a watch if you know nothing about this event and you know it'd be worthwhile um understanding one of these really traumatic experiences that we've seen so it's also a three for me which is an average of a three for us which is um a nice solid little score for this film we haven't done that for a while hit the exact same mark yeah it has been a while hasn't it we uh we are on social media. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we've got Instagram. Uh, you can follow us along, give our posts a like if you can. Question that I wanted to put out there this week is um, what is something that you relate to Norway? Just 
Uh, I think this is probably a very centric question for me because straight away I'm like um, the the Norway Pavilion in Epcot and Frozen. <laughs> very uh, Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Norway doesn't really Snow. spring to mind for me. Yeah, Snow would be the first thing I think of. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just I don't know. I was just going down that path. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we are back again next week and we have it's the month of october i guess so halloween's not too far away and i think we have a we have a period horror film film a period cool. horror film from 2018 called apostle it's directed by gareth evans it stars dan stevens lucy boynton mark lewis jones bill milner christine Frosseth, Frosseth, and uh, paul higgins and michael sheen so next week period horror i was I was thinking because I know we're at a point where we're like almost two years to the date behind in the way we record. Um, and I was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to get some Halloween stuff around Halloween time. So there you go. I didn't I didn't look ahead because that would be that would be too easy. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I wonder what's going to pop up. And here we are. So that's good. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, thanks for the chat. Good to see you as usual. And see you next week. All right. Back at you, mate. See you then. Yeah.